The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, we find our text, Luke 2, verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture, in fact, 20 verses. Christmas message, special Christmas message this morning. We do have notes for you. We'll encourage you to fill those in. As we go along, let's read the Word of the Lord. And it came to pass in those days, are you all there? If you're all there, say, woo! All right, it's also on the screen if you need that. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quarnius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. That's quite a verse. Verse 6. You see, because betrothed means you actually, actually consummated marriage, but she's pregnant supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And all the women said... Amen. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths. Pardon me. What'd she wrap him in? Swaddling cloths. Whatever version you have, if it doesn't say swaddling, it's uh, making an error right there. The NIV does not do so well with that translation. But the King James, New King James, and some others do. With swaddling cloths. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign. Read verse 12 with me. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And then verse 13 as I continue. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful Sunday that we have together, for what you did in the first service, and now what you'll do here in this second. Lord, we could go home already. We've already had church. Wonderful. But Lord, your word will remain forever. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, living and active. I'm asking tonight in agreement with your people that you would speak to us giving us living understanding. That after this morning, Lord, we'll know that we've been touched and changed. We leave to get in our cars and go about our week. We'll know that you've spoken to us. Release the power of your spirit, even the preaching of your word. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say and move the way you want to move. We won't stop you and we thank you and be sure to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may or may not realize that Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in all the world worldwide. It is amazing. The birth of Christ falls on different days for some. How many of you know he wasn't born on December 25th? Okay, the church invented that. You can read up on the history of that. But it is the celebration of Jesus' birth. It's not about a Christmas tree. And there are some that say, well, we shouldn't have trees because Israel and their apostate times would worship trees. We're not worshiping the tree. How many of you know, don't, everybody say, don't worship the tree. However, we do worship the man who hung on one. And his name is Jesus. And this is the time in which we celebrate Christmas, which falls on Friday. Now, Christmas Eve, that would be Thursday night, we have one of our favorite services. It's a Christmas Eve candlelight communion. It's right here, 7 o'clock. And it is a beautiful, beautiful time. We hope that you can come and be a part of that in addition to our Wednesday service. But this is Christmas Sunday and a special Christmas Sunday message for you. And I've entitled it The Sign. Everybody say The Sign. What does a sign do? A sign points to something. There's an exit sign at the back of the sanctuary. You can't go through the sign. If you tried to leave through the exit sign, it's not possible. But it points to the door. And so the angel talks to these shepherds. They're greatly afraid. And he said, there is born to you in the city of David a Savior, and this will be the sign. And so I've called it the sign, and I want to talk about that sign. But before we do, I want to give you just a little bit of background. In John 1 and 29, John the Baptist says, as he points to Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God. Now, the angel talking to the shepherds says, talks about the Lamb of God. And so here, John the Baptist points to Jesus. Now, this is many years later. Pointing to Jesus said, Behold, the Lamb of God, as he talks to a whole crowd of people. What, what is this Lamb of God thing? Many people don't understand what, who the Lamb of God is or what the Lamb of God is or the significance of that statement. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at John the Baptist's statement and what it reveals. The Lamb of God, that's Jesus is God's gift to all mankind. The angel says that to the shepherds, to all people, good news to all people. And he came to take away our sins from the whole world. You see, God's intention for you, God's plan for you is not to be separated, not to be busted and tore up from the floor up, but to be blessed, to have your sins forgiven, washed away, to walk with a cleansed conscience, knowing that heaven's your home, to be, to be healed, to be whole, to be 
to be his son, to be his daughter. That's God's plan for you. And in, in, in the process, I should say, of having that come about is someone had to die. What do you mean by that? It's very clear in Levitical long throughout all of recorded history as we read through Genesis, even the book of Revelation, that God requires sacrifice and he required the shedding of blood for without it, says Hebrews 9, there is no forgiveness of sin. So what John the Baptist was referring to when he points to Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God, what was he referring to? He could have been referring to a number of things, and I want to point those out. He could be referring to the fulfillment of the sacrificial system that we see began during really the time of Adam and Eve. What are you talking about? In Genesis chapter 3, theologians call it the proto-evangelum. It's the very first time that the gospel is preached. What do you mean? Well, Adam and Eve had a choice, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in disobedience to God. And God told them, don't do that, because if you do that in dying, you will surely die. So that death process began for them physically, but the spiritual process of death was immediate. They were separated from God, no longer walking with Him in the cool of the day. If you read the text there in Genesis, they were, they were uh, evicted from the garden. Angels were there with flaming swords. They could no longer go back into the garden, and they were going to have to work. Adam's going to have to work with the sweat of his brow, the toil of his hands. The curse came upon the woman in, in pain. She would give birth. And it's right at that time, that declaration of judgment that really comes on them, that God speaks to the serpent of old, that fiery dragon, who deceived them. And he says to the serpent, it says, you're going to crawl on your belly all the days of your life. And the seed of the woman, everybody say the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman will crush your head. You will strike his heel. He will crush your head. It is a encrypted somewhat, encrypted message of the Savior that would come. What do you mean? The seed of the woman, if you study that in Hebrew, it doesn't mean that this, how many of you know what your seed is, parents, or your children? So the seed of the woman would be her child. But it, the interesting thing is, it's specifically the seed of the woman, a specific woman, a specific child would crush the head of Satan. That's what that means. Somebody say, whoa. But it doesn't stop there. They were ashamed of their nakedness, and so what did they do? They took a poinsettia to try to hide their nakedness. Really, it says fig leaves. That's a picture of religion. There's nothing you can do to take care of your sin. There's nothing you can do to hide your shame. There's nothing you can do except... Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. There's no amount of works. You can surrender your body to the flames. You can go to church all the days of your life, every day. Get baptized and have baptismal waters dripping off of your face and you will still split hell wide open if you've never made a decision for Jesus. Can I get an amen in the house of God? That's the truth of the gospel. You can't become a Christian and headed to heaven by just going to church and getting baptized any more than a monkey can become part of the human race by putting on a tie and a suit. Clear? Crystal? So instead of the fig leaves, God makes for them a covering of animal skin. Is there any hunters in here? The last time you hunted and got something, 
You had to, you had to hang that up, right? You had to bleed it out. You had to skin it. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Lots of blood, right? If you skin an animal to make coverings, if, if God did that, how, how many of you know the animal had to die? It's the first death of an animal you'll see. And I believe, and it would be consistent, consistent with all of Scripture, that it was a lamb. And I've said that many times before. And so I believe really in the Garden of Eden, I'm reading a little bit into it, but it's consistent throughout Levitical law, all the way through the Old Testament and on into the New, including the text of reading the Lamb of God. That God actually killed a lamb himself and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And so when John the Baptist is standing there and he points his finger in Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It could very well have been that those who were listening, there were Pharisees there, Sadducees, and people that couldn't see and wouldn't see. They were all there. It's a joke. That they knew exactly what John the Baptist was saying. Oh, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Wow. I think probably brought to mind Abraham and how Abraham was called to Bring his son, his only son, his one and only son, if you read that in the book of Genesis as well, to a place, a region called Moriah, to a place where he, he didn't know where it was. God says, go, I'm going to show you where it is. Three days later, he's in a place, and the Lord shows him, a merahuk is the Hebrew, shows him the place where he's to sacrifice his son. Do you know what that place is? It's the same place. Everybody listening? Listen. Woohoo! It's the same place that Jesus was crucified. And when you read the account of Abraham and Isaac and how it says Abraham's only son, Abraham's one and only son, go sacrifice your only son to the place where I'll show you. And then God shows him the region of Moriah on Mount Moriah to sacrifice his only son. It's the same place that Jesus was crucified. And he's about to plunge the knife into his son and the angel stops him and says, now I know you can be trusted. And he shows him the ram caught in the thicket and says, God will provide on the mountain of the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, he calls him. So when John the Baptist is pointing and saying, behold the lamb, I think people might have been thinking about that. The lamb of God. The lamb was a sacrifice for sin right there, see. You see, the altar of God is the place where the holiness of God and the sinfulness of mankind meet. Now, you can be one to be forgiven as much as you want to. That's great. If you want to be forgiven, I'm glad. It doesn't happen because you're sorry. It happens because somebody died. Now, we're, we're not familiar with this kind of thing, and there is no more blood atonement. Jesus was the final sacrifice, the last Adam, the Apostle Paul calls him, the atoning sacrifice for your sin and mine and for all who believe. Wow. It says in the book of Leviticus... Verse 4 and 32, if he brings a lamb to sin offering, it shall be a female without blemish. So the priest would come once a year and make an atonement in the most holy place, and they had to do it a perfect way, or they would actually drop dead. Kind of crazy. And you see this sacrificial system, and now God's lamb standing before is people really a fulfillment of Isaiah 53? And I want you to turn there, please. Turn to Isaiah 53. Say, why? Well, you might not have ever read it. Isaiah 53 is absolutely an amazing passage. 
We had the privilege of going to the place where the Dead Sea Scrolls are stored. Actually, they were uh, on tour going through, uh, traveling to different museums when we were in Israel, but we were able to see uh, the place and copies of them and that kind of thing. And we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predate Christ, and the entire, the entire Bible's in there except, I think it's the book of Esther, but, but don't hold me to that. There's one book that's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls of all of the Old Testament. Kind of amazing. And, and it, they were found in some cave by some kid who threw a rock and heard, heard pottery smash. And they went up there and found all of these incredible... Do- Listen, what you hold in your hand is the most accurate, the most accurate ancient document in all the earth. And if you don't know that that to be true, it's only because you're not educated and haven't studied to figure it out. I don't mean to offend you. I'm just saying, don't just go off at the mouth like I had somebody do when I was in Colorado. They began to tell me, ah, the Bible just contradicts itself. I just about, the door almost came off the hinge, but my wife pinched me. I was standing next to her. I had to behave myself. Because the last time I corrected that person, it was 15 years before we had talked again, something like that. Anyway. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, ever. And if you find one, let me know where that is, and I'll tell you what it means. I'll show you. You can study yourself and be a good Berean. Isaiah 53. Come on, let's read this for a moment, because it'll just really build your faith. Verse 3, let's start from there. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of My people, he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because, I mean, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. His his grave with the wicked, talking about dying with, with criminals. He's talking about Jesus. Verse 9b. Because he had none, none, because he had done no violence nor is there any deceit in his mouth, yet the Lord is pleased to bruise him. He's put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering of sin, he shall be a seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Watch this now. And he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant 
shall justify many. Wow, for he shall bear their iniquities. And it goes on and on. You, listen, bring this to any Jew. Have them read it. They'll know it's talking about Jesus. You can't read this and go, wow, who's that talking about? It's talking about the Lord. It's talking about the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist, listen, this is just introduction. We're going to get to the angels and the swaddling clothes and all that. But you needed to hear this. When John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, when the angels said to the shepherds who were greatly afraid, great news to you, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it was a profound statement. It was, it was really wrapping up all of the Old Testament and saying, it is now done. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the one that we've waited for. The Messiah, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, would show up and take your sin, take my sin, walk the earth for 33 and a half years, cast out devils, heal the sick, and in the end, die a cruel criminal's death and say, it is finished, fulfilling and satisfying over 700 Old Testament prophecies. I mean, you got to have more faith to believe that he doesn't, that he's not the Messiah than he is. It takes less faith to believe that he, that he is the Messiah and more faith to believe that he isn't. You can't even prove it. In fact, most lawyers and people of, in Christendom in times past and bygone generations have tried to prove that Jesus was not the Messiah and nearly every single one of them have become believers. And yet America sits stiff-necked and ignorant hoping for a political Messiah. There's not coming one. But Jesus has given us His death, His resurrection and the power of freedom and forgiveness from bondage and sin. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus is the Passover lamb that brought protection and redemption. And time fails us to go into all that that means. The death of the firstborn and, and, and Egypt and coming out of the house of bondage. But it's what he did for them and it's what he does for us. So let's look at the text. Again, the sign points to something. And the angel of the Lord says to the says to the shepherds, a sign unto you. And the NIV Bible misses the significance of what's said, but the King James Version, uh, as well as the New King James, preserves the true meaning. Right here, uh, let's, let's go to Luke chapter 2. You all there? Verse 12. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Okay. So now if you look at the Septuagint, how many of you know what the Septuagint is? It's the, it's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scripture. Say it with me. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. Old Testament is written in Hebrew except a small section of Aramaic. New Testament is written in Greek. And so what you hold in your hand is a translation. So when you look at the Greek, which this is originally written in, and you look at the, the word there for swaddling, the NIV translated clothes, it's not clothes, it's swaddling. It's a unique word. Now, if you, tr if you look back at, for instance, Ezekiel 30, 21, the same word is used in the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's a word for binding up broken bones. It's a word even for death, death coverings and cloths. And so it's kind of an unusual word. The swaddling cloths or clothes, were bandages, or what one was wrapped in when they died. 
In fact, it is said that when you would take a long journey, listen carefully now, you would actually have that cloth with you because the likelihood of you dying was much higher because of marauders, because of dangers. And if you took a long journey, they say that you would actually tie those things around your waist so that if you died as, as a Jew, you died, you would want a proper, proper burial and they would take those swaddling cloths and they would wrap it around you so that you could be buried wherever you were. Wow. So you say, where did Mary and Joseph get those? They probably carried them. Now, there are other translations and other understandings that say that actually swaddling cloths, the word, if you, if you trace it and study it, really belongs to babies of royalty. And so the baby is, drapped, is wrapped in royalty clothes. Look, either way, it's all good. But the interesting thing about this is that the angel appears to these shepherds Shepherds were not worthy of testifying in a court of law. They're not, they were not considered people of noble character or anything. And so the angel appears to them and tells them the baby's going to be wrapped, wrapped as a sign unto you. Everybody say a sign. All right, where are we on my notes? I don't know. Okay, now we know from history that the shepherds of Bethlehem, watch this, it's going it's to hit home in just a second. The shepherds of Bethlehem mostly raised their sheep for the temple sacrifice. Now that's interesting. What do you mean the temple sacrifice? They would offer, remember, lambs without defect at the temple on Passover, so on and so forth. So where would you get those lambs? They were mostly raised in what's called the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem. I had the great joy of seeing those fields about six weeks ago. They're mostly unchanged. And so they raised these lambs, and at a certain time, they would bring the lambs without defect up to Jerusalem for the sacrifice. And it is said, now I learned this from our guide, now that, that brought us there, the, the guide that brought us to the Church of the Nativity, and we saw the cave where Jesus was born and all of that. And he told us about what they would do with the swaddling cloth. They would take this cloth and they would wrap it around the feet and the legs of the lambs. So that when they went, and it's about a 10-mile journey, they would take the lambs 10 miles up to Jerusalem, that these perfect lambs that they were going to be sold for sacrificing, these lamb of God, lambs for God, if you will, would be wrapped in their legs so that when they stumbled on rocks, they wouldn't be defective or anything like that. So that's the history of the swaddling cloths for, for shepherds. And so from the very same town, from the town of Bethlehem, where all the lambs were raised for the sacrifice of the temple, God sent his son. And so when an usher hears, I mean, usher, where's the ushers? They're kind of like shepherds. Amen. When a shepherd hears, he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's got to go, lamb of God, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's the lamb that's going to take away my sin. Hallelujah, I don't have to do that 10-mile hike anymore. I don't have to hike no 10 miles. I think they were overwhelmed, and they knew exactly what it meant. So we read that, and we just go right through it, and just think, oh, it's cute, little baby wrapped in some cloth. No, 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 no. The Lamb of God, wrapped in death garments. 
Wow, the same as they would wrap the legs of a lamb to bring up to sacrifice. They knew exactly what was being said. Come on, somebody say, wow. Come on, say, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Wow. All right, how do we respond to this truth? You know, I was in the Church of the Nativity, and in fact, I, I put the photograph up on my Facebook. You can go check it out. It's, you go down into the cave. There's a church that's over the place where... Jesus was born in the cave, and it's, the floor is covered with marble, but they, they put a hole in the marble floor with a, with a sterling silver 14-point star, which is significant for, I have no idea, I can't remember. And there's this hole, and, and, and these people go in, and you can reach in and touch the floor of the cave. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm not doing that, you know. And it's just like, uh, I get down there, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. So I, I stuck my hand, and I touched the floor of the cave where Jesus was born, and I went and saw the, the place where the manger was. It's a cave. A manger. Is it any, anybody do animal husbandry? I've got chickens. Does anybody have chickens? Yeah, chickens produce eggs and poop. That's what they produce. Okay, so you go into a chicken coop, and you're going to see some of that. Is that the real time? Oh, let's close in prayer. Praise God. Father, thank you. No, I'm, I'm just... We've got, we've got, are they right outside the door too? Glory to God. We've got a bunch of kids, and we're going to bless them with gifts. So let me, let me, let me conclude this. It's all right. I'll conclude it smoothly. God's going to help me right now land the plane. Amen. <laughs> how do we respond to the truth that Jesus is Lord, the Lamb of God? Well, the first thing is realize that your human effort ain't going to get you saved. You need a Savior. The second thing is you've got to choose Him. You've got to, everybody say, choose Him. Adam and Eve had a choice. Moses had a choice. Joshua had a choice. He said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. It was a choo- you have to choose God. You have to choose to receive the Savior and live for Him. He's not going to do it for you. Amen. You have to choose Him. And because we've been redeemed and set free from sin and Satan, we can live a holy. We can live holy and not be ensnared again. Listen, this is the truth of Christmas. The truth of Christmas is that God came down and rescued me. A baby in a manger. Hallelujah. Always remember, Christmas is about Jesus. Certainly about a tree. We're not worshiping any trees here. We give gifts because the greatest gift given us was Jesus. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Him. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you lift your hand right now? God bless you all the way in the back. Lift your hand high, unashamedly. You know if you die right now, you're not going to heaven. Lift your hand. You want to get right with God today. God bless you. 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 Pray this with me, won't you? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die in my place. 
Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let me pray for you. Pastor Kirsten, would you come? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, touch. Lord, bring healing. There's a number of families really hurting for loss, grief. Somebody's died, that kind of thing. Lord, heal you, touch you, feel you. Lord, fill and touch each of those that received you for the, even for the first time. God, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Kirsten. Hey, good morning. Hey, I am so glad you brought your kids today. We have a lot of kids here, and we're going to bring them in in just a moment. Please try to stay out of the aisles. It takes the little guys a little bit to get up, time to get up here. If you have your kids with you, Please wait until the train gets all the way down the tracks. And then you can bring your kids babies too. We got gifts for babies, okay? Why don't you give, help me give a hand clap for all the kids of King's Chapel. snow from my doorstep I just can't help but stop and grin it's like I'm 10 years old again and everywhere I go I can feel it some say it moves like a spirit it falls on us once a year like it came on a midnight clear it's all of this season is a gift when love came down to let's live let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment oh, put your hands together Gonna make it sound, gonna make it loud for Christmas this year. We're gonna make some noise that the world be just for Christmas this year. Thank God for these precious little ones. Thank you, Lord. The preschool coming before the sunrise. I sneak downstairs to sparkling eyes. And oh, what joy it brings to me. The family around our Christmas tree. And I thank all the preschoolers. Come on, come on, preschoolers. Come on. The soul of this season is a gift. When love came down to let's Let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment.
Praise God. Thank you for all that uh, gave to be a blessing to all these kids. We really have had a, yeah, praise God. We've really had a supernatural increase in our children's ministry. I think we had like 25 babies due all around the same time. That's called church growth. Our children's church has doubled in size. And thank you for your patience with parking. And really, I, I really, I thank you. You know, because sometimes it, it can be easier just to pull up and go to church and come out. And There's so many people getting saved and healed and touched here. And I thank you for your patience and trying to find a seat at our different services. And praise God for our new building. Come on, somebody say praise God for the new building. Amen. We've planned uh, for growth. Our sanctuary will be about 1,100 seats. Amen. Be, be plenty of room. And lots of room for children. Lots of room for youth. And beautiful lobby. It'll overlook Pioneer's Peak right off. I mean, I'm going to just tell you, God has blessed us with the property He gave us. Amen. Plans are just about done and have a cafe. And the most important thing of the whole building is the prayer room. The prayer room's huge, and it's on the second floor, and it overlooks the entire valley. You can see all the way to Chugach. If you could see around the corner, then you would be able to see around the corner. But you can see all the way up into the glacier. I mean, it's just amazing. And from there... We will believe God for a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer center. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Did you get encouraged today? Good. Praise God. Let's close. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus and let me bless you. It's the last thing that Jesus did on the earth as he rose into the clouds. He reached his hands out and he prayed a blessing. I believe it was the blessing, the, the high priestly blessing in the book of Numbers. And I've been praying it over us uh, for, I don't know, 15 plus years. And I believe in blessing. I believe in cursing. I believe in blessing. Come on, receive the blessing of God right now. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Make us the head, not the tail. The lender, not the borrower. Thank you for favor, blessing. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Bless your people, God, supernaturally in the matchless holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock, the birthday of the king. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook 
and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.